Welcome to the Storyline. Today we have with us an exciting guest speaker who will tell us a little about our topic titled Anxiety and the Power of Journaling. First, let me take the privilege of introducing to you all our guest speaker, Rachel Jessilan. She is a psychologist and currently pursuing her doctorate in psychology. Rachel has been certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Career Counseling, Cognitive Analytic Therapy and Master Level Hypnosis and hence follows a more eclectic approach to counseling which has helped maximize benefits towards a client. With respect to practice in particular, she consults specifically for psychological and educational assessments at the Reach Clinic in Bangalore, having worked with close to 1000 clients in the past 3 years. Her area of expertise is screening and diagnostic testing for developmental delays, LD, ADHD, behavioral and emotional disorders in children. She has conducted more than 100 workshops for students on a variety of topics such as effective communication skills, decision-making strategies, dealing with anxiety, depression, and healthy interpersonal relationships. It is our pleasure to have her with us today and we will move ahead with talking to her about the technical bits about dealing with conditions like anxiety. Okay, so Rachel, as a psychologist today, there is, I think, uh, looking at how our generation is just dealing with different things around the world, there is a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of shift with the mindset and a lot of things that's changing, I think, universally, right? Mm -hmm. And anxiety is something which is one of the biggest conditions today all over the world. And I was reading some articles which said that about 275 million people globally are currently dealing with anxiety so quickly let's sort of dive in and try to understand what is anxiety all right uh so puja i think one one thing one question one um concept that people will be able to relate to is stress this is a word that is universally understood and stress is when a person reacts to any normal challenge or a demand if heading through a, a sitting through traffic is very strenuous for you that is a source of stress or a deadline can be stressful or cooking a meal for your kids can be stressful so stress is a normal reaction to a demand but what happens when it becomes prolonged when the stress becomes either prolonged or when um the stress that you are going through is not being managed well by the coping resources that you already have then it leads to certain side effects just like we have side effects of medication or whatnot likewise prolonged stress or stress that is not managed well by your existing coping strategies can lead to many uh, uh, concerns one of which is anxiety so anxiety is a state where a person would predict doom 
or anticipate the worst in the future it is a uh, very thought based but for some individuals they also feel it physiologically bodily as well uh, so uh, the number that you gave at the beginning shows that it is quite high but it is also quite common which uh, which uh, i think uh brings up the point that we have to learn how to manage it because it is quite common as well yeah so it is a state of predicting doom in the future right so i've also read because i largely deal with anxiety and with a little bit of therapy and help that i've gotten i've also understood that it is just human physiology and also evolution of man right it has something to do with how back in the hunting days they always would predict danger and i think that is what our body has evolved to be but today it's just that there is not always a danger but where we that's the pattern that's carried on if i'm not wrong is that the same thing even in psychology uh, in psychology we so anticipation is a method in which the body and the mind prepares itself to deal with something so when a person feels helpless in a state of unpredictability just predicting what is going to happen in the future gives them a chance to be a little more in control at least i'm thinking about what is to come or maybe just the uh, the aspect or just the fact that i'm focusing on the future so much or telling what if this happens or what if something else happens it puts me into a better state of preparation than heading into something completely unprepared so it does have some roots in evolutionary theory like you said um here uh, however there are, there are several theories which kind of explain uh, the purpose of anxiety but a small takeaway from what you said is initially when it begins anxiety does help protect us but what happens is it when it gets prolonged that's when it starts becoming quite detrimental to our mental health it's like saying puja you need a little amount of anxiety to prepare for the exam tomorrow or to prepare for our session today if we had no anxiety at all then we would not be prepared so some amount of anxiety an optimum level of anxiety is acceptable it is useful and it is manageable when all the when all those three criteria go out of hand when it is no longer manageable when it is too much more than necessary and it is no longer useful then it becomes problematic yes so i think that's a very interesting thing that you said that uh, when i then i'm going to speak a lot about my personal experience here because i'm sure there's somebody who can relate to this when i would explain to people that i am feeling anxious they would look at me and say this is something everybody feels mm-hmm. but i was trying to tell them that this is detrimental it is sort of paralyzing me right which led to a sense of paralysis for me anxiety was something that uh, when i'd have an anxiety attack i was done for the day i could do nothing else for that particular day right so how can somebody actually recognize that okay i am dealing with anxiety or it is a little more than normal so what are the signs of anxiety all right so uh, i think i'm going to divide this into the cognitive signs the behavioral signs and certain physiological signs as well and uh, the reason why i want to segregate this is because for others your cognitive your thoughts are not observable so they do not know what you are thinking or how much you are thinking or how long you are thinking 
but they would be able to observe the behavioral signs or maybe you would be able to observe your own physiological sign when it's on the outside it is observable when it's on the inside <coughs> a lot can happen without you paying notice to it okay so when it comes to your thoughts one of the signs of anxiety is overthinking or worrying excessively you worry about the past and the future it is a tendency anxiety is a tendency to live in the past or the future and less in the present okay so worrying anticipation of the worst and constant overthinking or brooding are some of the thought related signs of anxiety behaviorally it could be restlessness fidgeting um it could be uh, biting of nails and um uh, it could also lead to uh, maybe sleep disturbances in fact difficulty falling asleep is associated with anxiety because that bed is where we spend most of our time thinking uh, at the day's end so that would happen uh, behaviorally uh, again going back to cognitive something i missed out is difficulty in focus concentration memory difficulties can also happen with anxiety you seem to be reading a book but you have no idea what is getting into your head at that point because your anxiety is at the maximum and um, emotionally they could have frequent bouts of irritability getting easily frustrated uh, physiologically it could be bodily tension uh, body aches i'm sure you would have heard of stress headaches which are quite common but it can be a lot more than that it can even be constipation it can be difficulty with uh, um uh, your um monthly cycles it could be uh, it could even lead to sexual dysfunction so physiologically there are considerable amount of uh, signs heart palpitations and uh, hearing a buzzing sound in the ear so everybody i think experiences it quite differently right the thoughts might be quite common but uh, interestingly so pooja um the thoughts are not spoken about if i don't feel like eating somebody would notice it probably give me a whack on the head and then say eat and then i force myself to eat but what do you do with your thoughts how do you tell people about all this you know masala that's going up there in your head so those are the different signs and i think it's best if we understand it across these domains which means there are cognitive signs there are emotional uh, behavioral and physiological signs of anxiety as well yeah i think that really helps now even for me that you categorized it so well because i sometimes always wondered why isn't anyone getting me you always or you almost feel like why isn't anyone able to hear what i'm feeling right i'm not able to articulate it but it's uh, i think it's a condition which which takes a lot of hard work right to sort of come in terms with to sort of drag yourself out of it but this is for everybody who's listening and who's going through something like this that there are ways to deal with it and uh, something that i struggled with with my peers is i think the response that i got rather than a response i always got a reaction to every time i got an anxiety attack right which really made me cave into myself and i uh, felt a lot of guilt and shame and i never really stepped out because i was worried what would trigger me what kind of a anxiety attack would i have how would people around me react it became about that So I think there are a lot of people who do not really know how to deal with somebody who's feeling anxious, right? So what are the do's and don'ts when it comes to dealing with someone who's having an anxiety attack? Uh, 
okay um i think the best thing you can do with a person who is going through anxiety or any other mental health concern is to listen without judgment and not give advice i'm just going to put it in such a simple statement listen without judgment and don't give advice right i'm sure when we say we need to empathize it's like you you if you really need to know what it is to walk in the other person's shoes before you give them advice you need to listen to what they are actually going through and another um uh, persona that people kind of jump into is the whole you why do you feel this way you don't yeah. have to feel this way you are this kind of a person they tell us not to feel something a quick question back to them if it was that easy not to feel something wouldn't we have done it in the first place but they just tell us not to feel something in fact as a psychologist one of the things i have heard a lot is as a psychologist you should be able to manage your sadness or you should be able to manage your anxiety a psychologist is feeling anxious like oh ha ha funny and on one side it's like you're not hearing me out and the other side okay so this is also a kick to my professional uh, entire profession but if we listen without judgment and tell the person which is um i may not understand what you're going through but i would like to understand more or i would like you to tell me more right and uh, i just want to know that i want you to know that i'm there for you that itself would help a lot you do not have to tell them why don't you do this try that try this and just be an advice giver to empathize you need to listen without judgment and uh telling them that they should not feel a particular way is a big no telling them that it is going to be okay when they are intensely feeling not okay will not help they at that point puja will never they don't know what it is to feel okay and there is this yeah. person who remember that they are telling you something because they trust you not because they have no one else to go to we should interpret it as uh, that a person is talking to you because they trust you now when you feel trusted what should you do can you let them down but instead by telling them or not listening to them or not or taking the limelight away for them from them another thing a big don't is making their anxiety all about you so uh, uh, i it's like if a person is telling you that they've gone through a bad time immediately you shift it to oh you i remember the time when i went through this and then it becomes all about your story and how you heroically overcame everything when kudos to you but at that time if you can be present with the other individual just to hear them out that can as well help so listening yeah. without judgment and uh, being able to empathize will help a lot that's the biggest do when it comes to relating to anyone with a mental health concern okay so i think that is a wonderfully said okay it sort of so, summarizes whatever uh, it is with anybody because i think something i noticed whether it was with my siblings my parents or my own best friends sometimes they don't know what to do and i think the first thing that people have to learn is empathy which uh, a lot of us have forgotten right today sadly but uh, with these tough times i'm hoping that people will 
genuinely work on themselves and something that i uh, really wondered or asked myself through this whole process rachel is it's a real shift we see a lot of anxiety today than it was when it was in our parents generation or back in the time Mm-hmm. any idea or any uh, scientific note to why is there this shift and why this drastic change when it comes to the mindset all right um so definitely the i think the mindset towards mental health concerns itself is becoming a lot more open now um at least in the uh, urban populations people are definitely more open to talking about it more and more there are more there are platforms where individuals can access information as well as talk about it or connect to a professional for help so on one side the mindset is opening up but counselors or psychologists are not the people that we interact with on a day to day basis right they become our family who we interact with on a day to day basis or friends who we interact with on a regular basis i what i see as a shift from even in practice puja from just a couple of years back to now is in terms of coping skills itself mental health is not like a fever which you can just pop in a crocin and just feel okay just the next day it's it's a huge part of your of who you are it's a huge part of who you are and it just cannot be catered to overnight it's something that we have been living with for a long time developing as we interact with friends and colleagues and uh, you know travel buddies and what not our relationships it's it's who we are as a result of our entire life experiences it's not like physical health i'm saying let's say one year if i want to get into a huge fitness routine i can get fit mental health is not like that it takes a long time to build but it takes very less time to bring it down now the number of stressors are also increasing at the same time the amount of coping resources is less so if i look at my parents time right with the three or four resources that they had they could manage their stressors it would probably let's say let's say if it's financial or if it's relationship they had to talk it out because the op- our options or alternatives outside the relationship was less or um if it is work related stress they knew that they had to work and provide for their family and this is what a person had to do right now i observe certain shifts one number of stressors are increasing right from a younger age the type of stressors we have to go through is more than what it was in the previous generation for example things like bullying in childhood it's happening at a much earlier age peer pressure is happening at such younger age groups with such younger age groups romantic relationships are starting off much earlier academic pressures are starting off much earlier so in a way our lifestyle the changing lifestyle is leading us into uh uh getting exposed to more amount of stressors two the coping skills that you were born with a couple of years back is not equipped to deal with the new stressors that are emerging right now i can't just hold on to that one paracetamol for 10 years and just say this is one thing will cure everything right it's evolving like even right now they're talking about the new covid uh strain saying that the um 
maybe the medication or what we had planned for the first strain may not work for the second or the third strain it's as quick as that so stress is the same way as your stress is evolving so should your coping methods we should be open to more maybe more creative more different coping methods than the ones before right. so i i think lifestyle changes more stress poorer coping methods are what we are seeing right now with individuals but overall i think the mindset is a little more open people want help but at the attached to that should be like an addendum which says that they should be open to acquiring help in more creative means than the existing traditional uh, means of getting help absolutely so that itself has a whole story of evolution right and uh, to think of it the mind is such a complex system in our bodies it is unbelievable it's not just what we're talking of but i think there's a lot of science a lot of psychiatry there's a lot there's a lot of chemical releases right so i won't go into every detail of it but quickly rachel if you could uh, sort of tell us how do you cope what are some strategies to deal with anxiety as far as i know especially at a time like this a world which is struggling with the pandemic especially the second wave that's come in has really thrown off a lot of people it is genuinely uh, it's changed a lot of things for everybody whether it's mentally emotionally physiologically and i do know my own personal circles where people are uh, deep into anxiety and they don't know how to come out of it so what are some strategies of managing anxiety Mm, okay so the first and foremost uh, puja would be to help yourself before you could help others so we need to prioritize our mental health care not just quick fix it with a bandage something temporary but really invest in it there's nothing bad that can come when you invest in your own mental health so when you prioritize yourself to deal with anxiety itself and i'm talking about strategies in the long run especially you since you brought up the lockdown this is a time that people are spending a lot with themselves and worrying about things that are not under their control like the pandemic the thing that is under your control is yourself so what is it that you can do to develop or to grow yourself as a person improve your self esteem improve any skill for example um you are into uh, public speaking for example so you know that confidence building helps with that so when you can focus on skills that can help address anxiety irrespective of what's going on around you that can help two social support whether you like your family or not the presence of social beings around you acts as a very good buffer to stress just to know that there is a person around there's a sense of warmth in fact research has shown that even if people do not like the ones who are around them the presence of people itself generates a sense of warmth that can improve your sense of well-being as well so social support staying connected to people communication not about facts i don't want to tell people that oh i have so much of work or uh, uh, i'm constantly overthinking i'm not able to meet all these deadlines so the three problems i gave you right now has nothing to do with feelings we are always talking about facts we never never really communicate about feelings 
we we always feel that the other person will not understand or um some of my clients have this rule which has led them to where they are right now so they say um uh, if i don't talk about it it doesn't exist or a feeling should not be spoken about because it makes you feel it makes you vulnerable and being vulnerable is not okay and when we have bro- been brought up in a very patriarchal kind of a society we have been kind of taught not to show any signs of weakness whether you are boys or girls or whichever category we have been taught not to show weakness and that feeling is weakness how do we know it's a weakness if our parents haven't showed it if our grandparents haven't showed it then maybe we shouldn't show it or talk about it it's very important we talk about our feelings even if it's not in terms of a verbal communication to a person even if you write it down puja it makes a huge difference to what it can do for your own mental health just the aspect of it coming out and being put into a structured format kind of um, focuses how you can you know channelize that emotion better so communication social support and uh, strengthening your own skills uh, abilities your self esteem working on that also really helps uh, physiologically i think sticking to routines really help um, maintaining your cycles which is your eating and your sleeping making sure that that structure is there really helps and um, also relaxation exercises helps in a very fast paced world slowing down is very important we need to slow down we can't always keep running and expect never to get tired and then yeah. blame ourselves for getting tired you have to stop the race at some point of time it's okay to not be okay it's okay to feel tired it's okay to feel anxious you feel anxious you feel not okay you feel tired what do you do after that to get back into your status quo that's really important so i think these are a couple of uh, strategies in the social domain in the self domain uh which can uh, help and relaxation exercises yeah i think perfectly portrayed all uh, because a lot of people are feeling stuck as to where to start right and i think you categorized it in the uh, in a way where people can sort of just begin with even if it's a routine just waking up and doing a 10 minute workout might help yes. right just a kick of endorphins dopamine mm-hmm. all of this in your body and also just doing things you love i think uh, sometimes i just wonder how much lies has been sold to us right <laughs> chase this chase that do this do that until and unless you really sit down and ask yourself what am i doing or why am i doing what i am and i don't think there's a better time on earth when you can actually sit down and work on yourself so honestly i've been very anxious because of how helpless and there's some sort of guilt at this point in time right although there's not a lot i can control out there but there is a little bit of helplessness but i think to also turn it around and say that you can give to the world only when you're taken care enough and you take care of yourself enough and i and uh, i thank you for sort of saying that at the beginning that it's important you first take care of yourself right before you sort of are going out there taking care of someone else first fill yourself enough before you get given and for yourself so and also you mentioned about communication about writing being one of the coping mechanisms which brings us to the second part of what i wanted to discuss with you and that is to do with journaling the power of journaling 
so uh, again i'm going to talk from a personal experience when i started therapy i could not write i would not understand what would what did it really mean to catch your thought to write down your thoughts to write down the action the response and all of that it would really overwhelm me and the day i actually started writing i still remember the very first time i wrote down my thoughts i when i went back and read it it was so scary so scary to know that your mind has turned into such a negative ball that i hit that book right because it felt like a scar from uh, a surgery and i still have goosebumps talking about it to really know that wow this is what your mind is doing to you but like never before i've got in certain tricks tricks and tactics of how to deal with journaling right and i write like never before and like you said i don't know what is the scientific reason but when i sit down to write and when i write it down whether when i'm having the episode or a difficult day there's suddenly a shift in mood or suddenly there's something so relieving mm-hmm. and sometimes i wonder why wasn't i introduced to this uh, earlier right so what exactly is journaling there are a lot of people i also know are trying to journal and they ask me because i've gone through uh, therapy and things like that how do you journal and i try giving them some free advice which uh, typically isn't working so how do what is exactly journaling can you give us some insight of that um journaling uh, puja is like the art of putting down your thoughts your feelings your emotions either in a written format or it can be in a digital format that's also fine um some people draw their feelings i used to have a client who used to color code her writing and just the aspect of coloring used to make her uh, associate certain events with certain emotions she used to use a blue for the sad thoughts and the red for the angry thoughts this is more of grounding it helps you feel connected rather than a free floating negative energy somewhere about you yeah. journaling is a very focused act now something which you brought up is that initially you had difficulty and it was quite overwhelming because a it is a new method it is a new method it's not what we usually do and there is a sense of unease when it comes to dealing with the unfamiliar if i just suddenly tell you try something uh uh completely new try bungee jumping and you're not a risk taker then that would feel overwhelming just the whole process of uh, getting ready for it or getting into the gear will feel overwhelming because it's new but what you have done puja is developed the habit by being consistent or by trying it for a long period of time then it stops being overwhelming and it starts becoming a sort after coping method for your system it knows it has a release there so when you journal uh, just a couple of observations on what you said you said initially it feels very overwhelming and a couple of people are trying to start amongst your friends and they don't know how to begin or they're trying to ask for advice so usually uh when when we when we direct clients towards journaling in therapy we are giving them directives as well sometimes free writing helps where you put yourself on a timer say 20 minutes and write everything that comes into your head whether it's a slang word or it's an emotion or it's the name of a person or it's a picture just put it down for that 20 minutes and then 
journaling works best when you reflect on what you write and not when you close it and put it under the pillow it's not only a release but there has to be a learning from the release so you reflect you read and you reflect on what you have written now you reflected and said i can't believe my my mind brought up so many negative thoughts look at what i put on paper <laughs> when you journal you gain a kind of a distance from the problem rather than having it as thoughts inside your head when you have the thoughts up here you are in you're with the problem you're one with the problem sometimes your mind will suggest you are the problem but when i put it on paper in a most it, there's a structure to it and i also tell my clients you can't write as fast as you think however talented you can your overthinking pace you can't write as fast as you think so writing kind of slows it down focuses it brings you a different perspective so that when you read and when you reread you can maybe understand yourself better maybe you have a chance now it becomes like a math problem on paper you can read it any number of times and try to generate any number of solutions with it but inside your head you really don't have that perspective you have only one perspective when it's inside your mind so journaling really helps you get that objective approach to your thoughts and it gives you a chance to plan and prepare for what is to come or what you write so that again depends on the um structure of your journaling as well so just out of curiosity did you have any directives when you started writing or did you engage in free writing so i did have directives when i started because i was doing cbt cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, i've done a few more methods after that i did definitely have directive it was about the thought your reaction and uh, the action that you took right so if i had like an episode of anxiety how did i react to it or what did i do and eventually what was the action i took but honestly what i follow today is free writing uh i basically write a letter to myself mm-hmm. so it starts with dear coach and i write whatever it is like today we've been having a difficulty mm-hmm. or it's a wonderful day what am i grateful for so okay. it's few things it's a mix of things that i sort of started to use and play mm-hmm. around with and i do a lot of art journaling that is i doodle a lot of my thoughts okay. and uh so i think every thought or uh everything that runs in my head when it like you said when it comes out on paper then suddenly it's so much simpler and that's a distance you create yes right that not everything that you're thinking is you not every thought is you a thought is just a thought it's yes. actually if you break it down it's just a set of words and it's you who's giving meaning to it right and i think journaling sort of helps stop you right there and say hey listen stop beating yourself so hard yes so which i think is very interesting and uh, it takes patience right it takes patience consistency and i wish someone ever mentioned this to me that self work is hard work <laughs> not just going to an office night to fix the hard work but self work is also a lot of hard work right but uh, today when i have anxiety attacks once in a week and i'm cope i'm able to cope with it in a much better way than i could 6 months ago mm-hmm. that's when you feel like oh it's worth it you know all that self work all that journaling yes yeah it's absolutely worth it so how does one actually start off with a uh, journaling rachel what okay. would be some of the tips you would give somebody who wants to sit and write their thoughts down how would they start with journaling 
Pooja, something which I think has worked for you and is probably still working for you is free writing. So write down anything and everything that pops into your mind after at the day's end. But get into a habit of writing. It doesn't have to be every day also. It can be once in two days, once in three days. But there has to be a pattern to it. You can't pick up a journal whenever you feel like it and then expect that to become a habit because there is no pattern. So yeah. even if it's once a week, at the end of a week, if you want to just reflect on your week and just freely write whatever comes to mind for a uh, a period of 15 or 20 minutes, put yourself on a timer. That really helps knowing that I have this time to write out whatever comes to mind. You can start off with free writing. Something else you mentioned is creativity. You can be as creative as you want. You can doodle, you can draw a little, a little person there if that represents someone. Uh, it can be a visual and art diary completely. But as you are drawing, as you are writing it out, there is thinking is still going on that doesn't stop. But there is definitely more clarity. Now, just the nature of writing a story, Pooja, is that is logic. You can't write a story without logic, right? So when you write, that's the aspect. And I think uh, it from my personal experience, I feel writing it down works better than using digital uh, platforms. Yeah. Just the, it's, it's a different release. Journaling is good. If some of you who are listening to this is following her whole uh, digital diaries uh, is having that, that's all right too. But there is definitely a different release, a, a pleasure, a happiness that comes with actually writing. When you write a story, it has to be logical, which means just the aspect of writing puts your thoughts into a more logical format rather than it free floating disconnected in your head you are giving it a structure so free writing helps putting yourself on a timer helps you can also use a lot of journal prompts now with a mental health professional they would give you a journal prompt like the one you explained puja which is yeah. the thought the action and what you do after that um, uh, sometimes i give my clients uh, prompts such as begin your thought with a what if so what if this happens what if that happens uh, gratitude prompts the thing that i'm grateful for the most at the end of this week is so when you have this prompts you can take up an existing prompt and try to fill that up or come up with your own prompt that can also help um uh, uh, i think these basic guidelines also work puja that you don't try to write only when you have a negative event but if yeah. journaling can also be just to uh, uh, put down your thoughts related to the positive things in the day as well, it shouldn't become like a big bad book of negative emotions that you don't want to open up someday and say, oh my God, I'm such a mess. But write the good things too. So at the end of a day, at the end of a week, if something went well, do that. Uh, another interesting observation from what you shared with me is that you write a letter to yourself now that's creativity but you also give yourself certain positive affirmations so your journal can also include positive affirmations i always maintain it with my clients that you don't have to wait for anybody else to tell you what you can tell for yourself you don't want someone else to say you did a good job what's stopping you from telling it to yourself 
write it down in fact a lot of my clients at the end of the sessions if they've done like if they've had really good progress one of the activities they engage in is writing an appreciative letter to themselves so when they when they get stuck there that's when i realized we find it so difficult to validate ourselves and yet we go seeking for it everywhere else and they usually message me saying i've been struggling with this for two weeks i can't write a good job <laughs> to myself i don't feel it's okay or i started crying when i write a good job to myself this not okay <clears throat> why is it so difficult if we can make it habitual to affirm ourselves even if it's in the form of a letter a journal a positive affirmation to ourselves in the mirror that's fine you can write a post it note and stick it saying good job and put it on your screen on your computer screen what's holding you back from doing that these are the easy resources puja readily available it's free of cost and yet people don't want to go and for something which sounds easy and i guess that's when in the long run it can get quite messy but if we can start certain easy habits like this uh, it would it would definitely definitely help you um, in the long run on a daily basis yes. right so i think um just like you said while you were saying this something sort of uh, did ring in my head that i think a lot of my friends or whoever is trying to journal when they listen to this they'll be like oh this cannot be this simple right but the truth is it is this simple for some reason uh the simplest things is made so complex by your mind okay and also because of the hype that's created about either therapy or uh, getting yourself a journal book right but it is really simple just to put down and write just start that's all i think uh, should be the goal right now you'll figure it out slowly and just like you were saying about these positive affirmations and uh, writing yourself uh, some good things right like i was always a people's pleaser and i did realize that wanting an external validation also put me in a really really bad place where i was not uh, that's where i went through this entire phase so i think with awareness also came this point where i've suddenly disconnected from this whole thing of validation of course i do like being validated for the work i do but there's a thin line right and uh, like for example the brand that i started ikaya i completed one year and i think the deepest and the most fondest memories lie in that brand for me because that brand began as a precursor to my struggle with anxiety and the colors of those fabrics sort of helped me cope so that brand will always be very special so i think when i hit one year i did of course celebrate with family and friends but that day i sat down and i wrote this appreciation letter to myself and i don't think that validation can do justice to anything else in the world right and that's when i sat down and i said yes thank god i journaled for all this while because it, it it's unbelievable the kind of feeling the kind of um, validation you can give yourself nobody can right and just affirming uh, so i think it's good that you mentioned this that it is important you applaud yourself and sometimes when you sit down and think about it these are things which are which need to happen naturally right and it's scary to sometimes wonder on what path we all are because of self sabotage when you're not able to naturally credit yourself or applaud yourself 
So thank you, Rachel, for giving us that insight about the power of journaling, about anxiety. Um, some one thing that I'd want to sort of uh, close with is to ask you, what is that message you want to put out to the world right now when it comes to mental health? Right? It is a huge shift, like you did mention. Uh, I also know there is still a lot of guilt. There is still a lot of shame uh, that people are going through, especially when it comes to seeking help. Right, but I think when you do that, the amount of self-awareness you get is unbelievable. It really changes your life. So whether it is a person who's dealing with a difficult condition or not, and I think I've understood that uh, you seek out and ask for help, or you go for therapy, not always when you're in the worst of your zones. Right? It can happen otherwise also. Like, am I dealing with a professional? Uh, I feel really lost in my profession. I can still go and get. speak to somebody because i think as psychologists you all have technique you you know how to sort of handle the mind and uh, it sort of opens up things for you so what would you tell the world right now about reaching out about getting help or if you if they see somebody around them who really needs to reach out what should they do all right um i think pooja you have summarized so beautifully before um <laughs> as well um i think self work to prioritize self work there's, there's there's nothing that can be as rewarding as that and the second thing is that puja we know what we need so stop looking for that from other people and start giving it to ourselves first learn to empathize and listen more rather than uh, advice giving and never hold someone back including yourself from seeking help anticipating the worst itself that's a sign of anxiety so if that's what you're doing about getting help it's a first sign that you shouldn't right and be and learn to communicate about your feelings if you do not find a person to do that to journal right uh there are so many other outlets you can blog you can throw all your energy into something that um um in the down the line can be useful it can be a podcast it can be a book it can be a small art piece it can be a thank you note to yourself however you want to do it you can be as creative but at the end of the day we know what we need so start yeah. by prioritizing and learning how to give that to ourselves yeah so and thank you rachel as an add on to that just one more yeah. point uh, pooja yeah, sure. being kind to ourselves being compassionate to ourselves is also something we need to pay attention to we are so caught up in this whole self critical nature where we criticize everybody else and ourselves the most we can become our worst enemies when we go through a bad time but if we can just take a step back and learn to be kind to ourselves treat ourselves as we would a best friend then there's there's no going back from that path of recovery that you already start off on absolutely i think you uh, summarized it and sort of concluded it wonderfully right like self kindness self love and everything that is that people around have been talking about is much needed and uh, and another thing i want to sort of tell people if anxiety is not something that you're dealing with very actively uh, and it's not something that's crippling you right or something that's stopping you from doing your things normally there are a lot of people out there who deal with this condition and uh, 
there's this very powerful line which I uh, read and it said that just because you haven't experienced it, it doesn't mean it does not exist. So let's try and build a world where we're empowering each other. We become an embodiment of love and help each other. And hopefully we'll see a more better world and a more conscious world. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us and doing this with us.